0: Brody.
1: Hi everybody and welcome to this episode number 51 of the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete podcast. This week we are going to answer a listener question and it is not going to be the answer that you would expect to have from a cycling, triathlon and strength coach. We're going to answer Mike's question. Uh, Michael and I actually go back. He was uh, or has been an athlete off and on a couple of times when he had a big goal upcoming, Uh, he's based out of Pittsburgh and Mike wrote in, Hey Brody, I have a quick question for you. If you can carve out an extra 10 minutes per day, what would you recommend adding into my daily routine to help me out? I am currently doing my on-bike stuff five days a week, plus strength training stuff, two to three days a week which are deadlift, planking, rows, and some body weight stuff like pull-ups, push-ups, and side planks. Any suggestions? Breathing, stretching, any other strength exercises? Well, as I told Mike when he first uh, wrote in, this is a big it depends and i'm going to give you the best answer possible mike so i don't know exactly where you are right now as far as your goals and what you're doing but i do take that you're taking your riding fairly serious uh you've been able to progress a little bit uh or hopefully a lot uh since we last worked together and i'm just gonna make a couple assumptions one is that the strengths and weaknesses you had before are going to continue and two uh that you've what I mean by that is you've continued to work on the weaknesses and build the strengths, and two, uh, that all other things are equal. And this is important because uh, that background of life stress and everything else going on really has an impact. So we're actually going to start from there. So we'll break this down as to the reasons for these answers, uh, which I think will, will help quite a bit. So the first part of it was he was asking, he has an extra 10 minutes a day. so. 10 minutes is a lot of time, but it's also not a lot of time. And really what we kind of want to look at are what are going to be the big return on investments for these 10 minutes. So my first response or first part of the answer would be number one. Do you need an extra 10 minutes of sleep? That simple, an extra 10 minutes of sleep. Now, a lot of people like to tack this on to the end of their sleep. So 10 more minutes later in the morning. I would recommend 10 minutes earlier at night because really if we think about 10 minutes earlier at night that's really 15 to 20. so you go through your bedtime routine you want to get into bed you want to get an extra 10 minutes of sleep that means you have to get into bed not 10 minutes earlier but about 15 to 20. and for most people this isn't an issue Um, we all have projects and other stuff that we can work from home Of course, that can be challenging, but it's just getting into the habit of daily getting an extra 10 minutes of sleep a day before midnight. What a lot of people don't recognize and why we're saying to or recommending to add it to the beginning of your sleep is that essentially, as far as the impact that the hours of sleep have on your ability to function and recover, recover and adapt, recover and adapt. So that adaptation is what we're after, not just recovery. We don't just want to recover and be able to do the same thing again we want to recover and adapt the hours before midnight are actually those which our bodies are producing more of the anabolic hormones or those hormones which are going to help us to better adapt and progress from the stresses that we've placed on the body when you think about sleep and uh, new parents or people who have gone through the parenting with newborn and the broken sleep patterns will attest um, for the most part, and of course it depends, for the most part, when they started going to sleep with the baby uh, before, you know, let's say seven or six in the evening and then waking up super early, four or five in the morning, they tended to feel better throughout the day and more energized than when they went to sleep late and their partner uh, or significant other took care of the baby early in the morning. So this has a of course a number of things this also goes for uh, individuals who are single as well when you go to sleep before midnight if you can get yourself to do that um, you tend to wake up more refreshed than if you're sleeping in later in the day and this is a process that i personally went through my powerlifting coach back in uh, high school and college fought with me. I would refuse any type of strength training uh, session that was before 10 30 in the morning. Why? Because that meant I had to wake up at nine oh, nine o'clock in the morning. Oh, can you imagine? I had to wake up at nine. Uh, usually I would sleep until 10, 10 I'd scheduled all my classes that way as well as much as possible. Of course, uh, for the program that I was in, we had a couple classes that were super early in the morning. You know, eight o'clock quote unquote super early. <laughs> I look back now and I laugh. Um, but it's not just me. There's actually, uh, I, I have to find them, but there have been some studies out there that have shown that the hormonal response that you get from the sleep before midnight is uh, much stronger, and uh, it does the body does a better job of replenishing. So that is the first part of the answer. We're not gonna add anything at all, Mike. We're just going to get you to bed 20 minutes earlier so you can fall asleep and get 10 minutes more. Uh, and just, by the way, uh, not for you, Mike, but for those listening this does not mean scrolling it does not mean being on your laptop if you can't get the screens the heck out of the bedroom we don't want to have them in there Uh, this is something that we all i think struggle with at this point Uh, we like to think well what if something happens i should have my phone next to the the bed there's a whole bevy of reasons not to cellular ways all this other stuff but we'll uh hopefully have uh, a guest on in the future to talk about this different things but really we want to have zero screens in the bedroom that's what we're looking for exception is a kindle a true kindle not the kindle app on your phone or your uh, tablet but a kindle why is a kindle an exception for a screen because it's not backlit it's front lit it, it where it allows your eyes to get tired uh and read normally because it's black and white only the way they set it up and even that would be a, a question so My use of the Kindle tends to be uh, when my wife wants to go to sleep and I like to continue to read. uh, So I have the Kindle so I'm able to read and not upset her with the light. And even then I dim it down to like, I think five or six is the setting, which is not very strong. And then, you know, I find myself five, 10 minutes later, I'm exhausted. Because your brain is winding down. So if you think back to your parents, if you were a family where the, that your parents read, they often read before going to sleep. There are a number of reasons for this. Uh, the last thing in your mind tends to seep in and get things in the background working. Uh, it's known that Nikola Tesla and I believe Albert Einstein, if I'm not mistaken, used to look at their most challenging pro- problems that they were facing before bed. And then they would just leave it and forget it and allow the ether as they called it to to bring them the answer. And essentially that's their brain, the subconscious working in the backdrop. So for these uh, 10 minutes of sleep, how can we make it more beneficial? Well, number one is look through your evening routine. So some people swear by cold showers before going to sleep. Uh, It wakes me up too much. Uh, I know people say, well, you get really woken up and then you fall asleep faster. It's possible, it's kind of like ice cold water boils faster than warm water or room temperature. It's true. Check it out. Kind of cool thing. Um, But for me, it doesn't work. I like a lukewarm shower, not hot, uh, just lukewarm. And to go through, I have my little reading uh, before I go to sleep. uh, After the shower, I'll usually do one, maybe two tasks that kind of need to set up for the next day. Try and limit that to five or 10 minutes. And then it's, uh, it's time to read. That's it. And getting into bed. Once you get into bed, there's a couple of things that you can help turn off your brain and to wind down. Uh, Number one is to practice gratitude. Take five minutes while you're laying in bed, put your hands on top of your chest and breathe slowly in through the nose, out through the mouth, and think about 10, 15 things that you're very grateful for that day. And there are some days where you're going to struggle with that. So you start with I'm grateful for my eyes being able to see. I'm grateful for my legs being able to work. I'm grateful for my heart beating over 10,000 times in the day. I'm grateful for my lungs for breathing over 10,000 breaths in a day. And you go that way. I'm grateful for my blood pumping. They're silly things, but it just gets you in the habit. It allows you to wind down and critically think about what you're thankful for, which plants a seed for more restful rest. This is something that uh, some of the athletes that I work with have practiced on their own. I kind of suggested practicing gratitude and a number of them came back. Usually it's the higher stressed ones, uh, came back and said that they've been sleeping better and that they've started practicing the gratitude before bed and it really helps them to de-stress. So that's number one. Let's say you're in bed for these 10 minutes and you're like, man, Brody is out of his mind. I can't fall asleep. My mind is running. I have so many other things I could have done in this 20 minutes. Let's try this. Choose a number like 976 and count backwards by threes. Count backwards by threes. This repetitive task on a bad night where you have trouble falling asleep, you'll get down to maybe the 100s. And if you get to the zero, keep going negative. Uh, Negative three, negative six, negative nine. Uh, And then once you get to negative 300, start again from 976. This repetitive task, It's kind of like counting sheep. It allows your brain to focus in on a repetitive task, which allows it to kind of reboot. So think about it. Your phone gets stuck downloading something and nothing works on the phone. What do you do? You press and hold that start button for a hard uh, soft reset rather. So that reset or hard reset. I'm not a techie so whatever you want to call it that reset is essentially you counting backwards by three so this helps take the stress off of the the body it puts you into a more balanced state and will allow you to see much better results as you go forward now the other thing you can do while you're you're doing this or instead of the gratitude and i recommend doing it at the same time is what i call 7-11 breathing No, we're not talking about getting one of those spit roasters with the cheap hot dogs and a slushy machine. Not that type of 7-Eleven. We're talking about seven seconds in through the nose and then 11 seconds out through the mouth. These breathing exercises, this in particular, allows you to reset everything. It's a lot harder than it sounds. Uh, It's one of the recovery methods that we can use between sessions or after a session to really help you be able to progress and does a huge, huge amount of work to reset the hormonal uh, thermostat, so to speak, in the body, because you're using your breath to move different parts of the body, getting the ribs to move, the back to move. Seven seconds is really hard. You have to go really slow. And you wanna focus on bringing that air into the back of the body, so where the tag is on the back of your shirt, all the way down the spine into and out in the ribs and then down and out into your sides, kind of like the crocodile breathing we have over on the human vortex training YouTube channel. This allows you to really reset. I'd recommend doing this without a pillow or with one pillow. It allows you to relax your neck, get things to really ease out. And these two or three, uh, let's call them tactics or exercises can really help you significantly. So that's part one of the answer let's get you more sleep. Let's get you to get through 7-Eleven breathing, counting backwards by threes, or practice gratitude as you're going through that before bed. That's number one. That will go much further than editing any exercise or uh, any intervals, anything like that. So that's number one. Number two, we would look at taking an extra 10 minutes to prepare your meals for the day. This can be done either at the end of the day, before you go to bed early, (laughs) or the beginning of the day. Planning out your meals, and and nutrition is something that is very difficult for a lot of us these days. We're moving, we're constantly out and about, putting together a meal, putting together a meal plan for a week. A lot of people tend to not like it. Uh, My wife and I just watched uh, The Big Bang Theory, I think season five or six, where uh, (laughs) uh, Sheldon and Leonard, uh, Leonard moved out. Uh, Leonard wanted to move in with Penny so they they did it they broke up with Sheldon essentially right if you follow the, the, the show and Leonard and Penny are talking about what's for dinner and Leonard says well what day is it she says Wednesday Oh, well usually it's I think he said Thai uh, Thai food and she says well, honey, we're not living with under uh, We're not living with Sheldon anymore. So we can eat whatever you want. What do you want? And he goes uh, She says pizza Italian hoagies and she goes Chinese and he goes uh and she goes how about we just do time? He's like oh thank god <laughs> that's the thought process a lot of us have when it comes to food and we're starting to look we go by cravings and that's not a way to maintain a healthy body weight or body composition so we want to plan our meals and this could be something as simple as 10 minutes in the morning to write out on day one uh a menu day number two is starting to cook or you get the chicken so you spend an extra 10 minutes at dinner preparing the extra pieces of chicken or tofu, if you're a vegan or seitan whatever it is you are doing, you plan it. The next day you tack on 10 minutes to meal preparation for dinner or breakfast so that you're making that. And then the next couple of days you continue that process. So that's the second thing. So number one, just to recap is going to sleep early and adding those two or three exercises. Just choose one. You don't have to do all three, just choose one of them. Number two is meal preparation and planning. Number three is gonna surprise some folks, but essentially number three, adding a little bit of recovery in between your intervals. Now, of course, it depends. If I had someone that I were coaching add extra 30 to 50 or 30 to 60 seconds to rest intervals on some of the ones that I'm giving right now midsummer. I'd probably freak out if I called them to see what's going on. They're like, yeah, I listened to so-and-so on a podcast. He said, add rest. So I'm doing it. So please don't just do it. (laughs) Talk to your coach. If you have a coach, ask them, you know, is this going to be beneficial for for me? If you are self-coached, the most common places where you can do more with the active recovery would be between lactate threshold, between VO2 max, and then between high intensity intervals, moving to medium to low intensity intervals. So this would be something like your sprints are at the beginning, then you have five minutes easy, uh, and then you go into lactate threshold, adding a minute at the end of that. Now, hear me out. Most athletes, most riders and cyclists and triathletes don't do their recovery properly. And this is something we saw with a number of the riders uh, that came through the 60 day home body weight uh, founders program here in uh, May and June, we saw a number of them see their intervals progress significantly by doing two things. One, slightly extending the intervals, as I'm talking about here, 30 to 60 seconds between these types, so VO2 max, lactate threshold, or moving from high intensity to medium to low intensity, and by learning how to breathe better and make that connection between crocodile breathing or 7-Eleven breathing, or whatever breath work that they had in the program to learn how to recover on the bike, not just soft pedal. So we're talking about a world of a difference here. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, I think Jesse went from his fourth interval uh, drop-off, significantly, it was like 17%, and then it was downhill from there. I think the next to last one, he popped back up uh, to I think effort number seven or eight, If i'm not mistaken so jesse if i'm incorrect about that uh go ahead and shoot me a message i'm pretty sure that that's what it was uh yeah yeah no definitely seventh or eighth so we improved by four to five repetitions by getting him to be able to recover so he's now able to recover to be able to do more work in the intervals as assigned that is training smarter not harder But most of us, we just tend to soft pedal what we think is soft pedal, which is really endurance or the upper end of active recovery. We're not actually dropping our heart rate. We're not actually giving the nervous system, the metabolic system or the hormonal system, a chance to get down to resting active recovery where it can go again. And that's really what our interval training is about is stressing the system, allowing the system to recover. So that's where I would add it. So we have go to bed 10 minutes early, uh, use, a couple of those exercises, we have meal prep and meal preparation for the week, meal planning. And then our third thing is a little bit more time for your rest intervals between lactate threshold, VO2 max, or moving from high intensity, like sprinting, five to 10 seconds sprinting, up to a minute all out, moving into medium to low in your workout. Again, check with your coach. If your coach says, not happening, this guy is crazy then he or she knows what they're talking about for you. So then the next question is, okay, can I add actual active recovery to the end of the ride where it's just an extra three or four minutes uh, each ride where I'm just really focusing on getting full deep breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth and trying to really drop my heart rate. Ask them. They may say no again. That's okay. They're dialed in. It is their uh, right and job to deny what will or will not work for you in their, uh, in their approach. So listen to what they are telling you, that is what you're paying them for, that's what they're there for. So we've covered three so far, a little bit surprising, right? So we're not talking about stretching or training. And the challenge that we have as professionals is that when you go to a surgeon, they want to cut. When you go to a physical therapist, they want to therapize, if that's even a word, (laughs) if you watch uh, Arrested Development. Uh, If you go to a strength coach, they're gonna tell you strength. If you go to a cycling coach, they're gonna tell you to ride, etc. We all have our own biases and part of becoming a better professional, a better athlete, a better rider, however you consider yourself or wherever you are on your journey, the hard part is to ask what are my biases and is this in fact the right thing for this individual standing in front of me on this day, at this time, in this situation. So that's why at the beginning I said, Mike, I'm just gonna make a couple assumptions. X, Y, and Z are exactly the same as they were when we last talked and worked together. And I know that's not the case, but we have to play that game. So now that we've gone through the three big ones of go to sleep early, using one of those three uh, approaches, one of those three skills that you can work on. Then we talked about nutrition prep and nutrition planning. Then we talked about a little bit extra recovery. Now we're gonna start talking a little bit about strength training and what you can do to help yourself there. But first, let's take a quick little break to just allow you to shake it out, refresh, grab another uh, cup of coffee or shift around in your seat before we go to part two, which would be strength training and training.
0: Wanna learn more? Check out Humanfortextraining.com for more on this topic from Coach Brody and today's guest.
1: Welcome back. We have a fresh cup of Congo based coffee here, absolutely fantastic. All right, let's get into part two here and uh, let's talk about strength training. So Mike, the first thing that I'd recommend here is that we make sure that your strength training is on point as far as what results you're going to get from it. So. Uh, It's great to hear that you're doing two to three days a week of of deadlifts and planks and rows as some pull-ups push-ups and side planks. The first thing that I would look at is, are you doing the rest periods properly? So I actually talk about this in my book, The Vortex Method. Uh, We talk about the spectrum of on one side, you have on the left side, let's say the neuromuscular adaptations. This is where you're making the muscles stronger, the contractile properties, you're getting the nervous system to fire, the motor units are going to be recruited better and faster and stronger versus the right side of the spectrum, which is metabolic or the energy system. So these two sides never mix. There's, that's why it's a spectrum. You're either at one side or the other. There's never a mix. As you go through this, a lot of cyclists, and triathletes, and just uh, endurance athletes as a whole, we'll say, tend to get into this strength training where they're going too quickly through their workout. One reason could be because they don't have a lot of time. They only have a half hour, maybe 45 minutes. The other side of the coin is that they just don't know any better. And we automatically defer to what we feel is normal. So in college, when I made the switch from powerlifting focus to actual athletic performance because I wanted to try and walk on to the men's basketball program, that was really difficult for me. So I went from an hour and a half to two hours for a strength training program that was really oriented on the major multi-joint movements with a corrective to one where I was doing shorter rest periods, needing to be more athletic and needing to have the learning curve of how to control my heart rate better in between in order to get the energy systems and the muscles to recover and adapt as well as to seeing the different types and styles of strength training sessions that there were that changed as we went through the season. So that was a huge paramount shift for me both as an athlete and later on as a coach because I was able to understand that well for this person we need to be more metabolic and this person we need to be more neuromuscular and get them just stupid strong before we can do X, Y, or Z. For cyclists and triathletes, our struggle is to slow them down. And this comes down to time. This is where I spoke on a previous episode about how one of my uh, 50 year old uh, masters riders, uh, we worked on decreasing the volume for his lift and we were maintaining, it was a half hour lift, but we went from doing essentially six or seven or eight exercises in that time down to five because he was having excessive soreness. He wasn't recovering well. It was getting too metabolic. Part of it was the exercise that I had him doing. We were really focusing on the posterior chain and we made a change where he was really doing one to two main lifts and that was it. And we had a corrective and and another appropriate exercise in between and we worked in that way. So a lot of cyclists, the first thing I'd look at is are your rest periods proper? So if you're not timing your rest periods right now, Michael. I would strongly recommend taking a stopwatch as soon as you're done with your set, hit start on it and make sure you're resting between three and five minutes because during the season, we tend to want to have longer rest periods in between our sets so that we're getting neuromuscular adaptations. That way we're not kicking the horse while it's down, so to speak, uh, in that you're getting so much uh, training stress out on the bike for the metabolic systems, and then you're doing the same thing in the weight room. This is one of the reasons why there's a a misconception and a complete misunderstanding of use of strength training during the season and why so many cyclists and triathletes are so far behind what they could be getting out of their strength training is because their coach or they themselves think, Oh, it's the season. I shouldn't do strength training anymore. It's going to take away from my bike riding wrong. Just like if I were to tell you, hey, you know what? It's May 15th and you've been doing an awesome job this winter and you've hit it out of the park with the bike riding, but the Tour de France is coming up and we have uh, six weeks before it starts. You should not get on your bike except for like 15 minutes, two or three days a week just to do some very light spinning. I really hope you would fire me faster than you can kick me out the door uh, or throw me out the door Uncle Phil style like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air because that's BS. It's completely wrong. And this is a misunderstanding. And and in a previous, I think it was episode 49, we spoke about how the uh, athletes, uh, there are certain coaches out there with athletes who are giving them strength training programs who should not be doing strength training. They have no right to be doing strength training just because they read something in a magazine or something worked for them. They're just giving people the same thing or they don't have the understanding of the strength training beyond squats and deadlifts and and. And I know this is controversial to say, but we have to be honest, just like there are bad personal trainers out there. There are also bad strength training coaches who are great cycling or triathlon coaches, but you've got to know what you know and respect that line. Just like I mentioned in that podcast, how there are certain basketball coaches fantastic at understanding the game and what the players need to do awful when it comes to understanding or, or even beginning to comprehend how to properly train them from the strength and conditioning side of things. The conditioning, they understand the sprinting, the game speed, what they need to do that side of things, but the general physical preparation and the strength training, those coaches, the basketball coaches should be quiet and let the professionals do their job there. So that's my, my little soapbox for today, uh, but it is really important to make that differentiation. Now, Mike, as it pertains to you, so let's say you are doing your rest period. So that was number four, is, is in your strength training, using a stopwatch to make sure that you are getting the appropriate responses from your strength training, which mid-season should be uh, neuromuscular, which means we're gonna take longer rest periods between three and seven minutes. I think I said three and five before, but between three and seven minutes in between your sets, unless you or your coach is having you do some type of uh, metabolic session, which uh, you may use. It really depends on what's going on in your life. Maybe you, you missed a, a bike workout and you need a little bit of a touch on that specific energy system. Obviously, that is and it depends, but all things uh, considered and all things the same. We really want to try and make sure that the mid-season strength training is neuromuscular in nature. So this is what a lot of people, a lot of coaches, think is maintenance and going body weight and lightweight or no weight. For some athletes who get very sore or are competing at a high level, that may be appropriate. At the same time, for, let's say, 80% of the athletes, lifting a heavy item two times a week for two sets of four or two sets of five may be enough for them to maintain the performance gains and not see that taper off. Exceptions being pro tour riders, riders who are at that pro level, the pro continental level who are essentially racing every other day and barely have time to actively recover, uh, and, and really just recover in between the racing. That is going to be an exception. And I'll I'll be honest, even with that, uh, when I had, uh, two or three of my guys and ladies over in Europe, we were still finding, uh, every 10 to 14 days to lift something that felt, felt moderately heavy but it was super short they went in they had their 15 minute um warm-up which also served as a a high performance recovery kind of thing they did two sets of four two sets of five at a perceived exertion of seven or eight with four to six minutes rest in between i think it was four to seven minutes actually and then they went home that was it and people like what what you came to the gym for a half hour to do two sets like, no, I came in to do my active recovery, high-performance recovery, and then to do two sets enough to stimulate what I needed to because it's out of the strength training, that maintenance is not just the strength. We not. We don't care about strength in the weight room. It doesn't matter. How much you put on the bar does not matter. We're not powerlifters. We're not Olympic lifters. We're not CrossFitters. It doesn't matter. What does matter is the neuromuscular and hormonal responses you are going to get from lifting up things that are heavy in proper balance to where you are in the season so we're going off off of perceived exertion and this is where i think as endurance athletes we have a disadvantage because we constantly want to get better so for a lot of athletes and coaches walking into a weight room and putting let's say 135 pounds on the bar and trying to do a deadlift and that used to be your sets of eight you used to do three sets of eight let's say in february and march and now in june july it's a set of five and it feels like a nine but you're doing good technique a lot of us can't handle that ego we just go man i can't handle this i i'm just not going to come to the gym anymore it's not worth it i can't i can't do it i can't do it Really important, check the ego at the door. And if you're interested in becoming a really superb, world-class strength coach, instill in your athletes and yourself to check your ego at the door. You don't have all the answers, you don't know everything, and you're not gonna be able to knock it out of the park every single day. And you're going to have to go through the cycles. Every time you walk into a weight room, you're starting fresh. What's your neurological system able to do? How's your HRV training? How's How are you responding? What's your HRV score? And we can't base solely off of that, but that gives us a nice insight into where the athlete is and what they might or may not be able to do. We have to be able to check the ego at the door. And this is a problem we have with recovery rides. Um, Trevor Connor, uh, who you'll hear or have heard here on the, the podcast, uh, you'll hear next week actually, is uh, talking about, he shares with us a story about uh, how he went riding with pros He's like oh I'm gonna show them what to you know what I can do, and he essentially got threatened to be kicked off of the ride because he didn't maintain what they had told him. They said 200 watts steady today, and he was doing like 350 400, thinking he had done a great job. Part of being a pro is understanding how to get what you need, and to stick with it. So this is a, it's a fantastic interview. So if you haven't liked and subscribed and shared this podcast already, do it now. Uh, Trevor is a co-host for Fast Talk. And, uh, it's a fantastic podcast and the, the interview I had with him and as well as Chris case, uh, who was a couple episodes ago, uh, is fantastic. Last week was uh, Dr. Stephen Chung, who you heard also fantastic. So we've got tons of great guests and information here on the strong, savvy cyclist and triathlete podcast. So share this with your coach, share this with your fellow riders or triathletes, uh, cause there's a ton of stuff we're going to cover. Now let's get back onto topic here today. I'm sorry I went off a little bit, a little bit of a plug. It's a natural plug though, right? All right, so uh, we talked about so far, we talked about getting more sleep was number one with those extra 10 minutes. Number two was meal preparation or meal planning. Number three, the extra rest in your intervals as uh, guided by your coach uh, or yourself, depending on what you actually need number four was the strength training and getting the proper rest periods in between to get neuromuscular response now the last one we're going to cover here today uh, may be a little bit of surprise i'm not a fan of static stretching i am not i like dynamic stretching i think that static stretching uh, does not do any good when i say dynamic stretching this can include with breathing but i'm a big fan of dynamic warm-ups and dynamic stretching occasionally we'll use a static-esque stretch but really what we're trying to do is hold a position, fire certain muscles while getting others to relax as opposed to just passively going into that. So number five is just dialing in your dynamic warmup and actually getting a dynamic warmup. If you follow me on Instagram and Facebook here, uh, HV Training, I actually posted uh, back in, I think the last week of June, I posted a uh, my warmup and I just said, wow, that's a really good warmup. And then I show my heart rate score and the whole file for the day of what it was and you can see I touched on the conditioning zone in the end of my dynamic warm up it took me 12 minutes That is a dynamic warm-up. What most people do, they walk into the gym, they drop off their gym bag, they fill up their water bottle. Uh, Well, not now with corona and everything, unfortunately, but most people, their warm-up is they do five or 10 push-ups, a couple sit-ups, a plank, a side plank, and then they get going. That is not a dynamic (laughs) warm-up. That's not preparing you for that day's efforts. And we need to be very aware of this. And as coaches, uh, if you'd like to learn how to put one together properly, my strength training for cyclist certification is going to open again this fall. We go through all of that. We go through building a program. We go through how to structure a program. Everything is in there, including a breakdown of how to coach and teach each of the different program, uh, parts meaning push pull squat hinge press rotary stability the fundamental five plus one we have the progressions and regressions that you would use for each of these the same ones we use here at hv training updated and a ton of other stuff if you're not a coach and you want to learn how to do these dynamic warm-ups on my courses on training peaks university strength training for cycling success strength training for triathlon success two completely different courses we go over the different dynamic warm-ups that are appropriate for each of those sports now the dynamic warm-up is going to be where you're going to cover a lot of different movements Uh, so you can get push pull squat hinge press and rotary stability in each of your strength training days as long as you're not looking to add load to it so, it means like for my warm up right now, I'm doing wall scapular slides. Uh, wall angels is my first movement because I want deep core. I want to get my midsection fired. I'm trying to get the uh, quadricep firing just a little bit better and to better stabilize my pelvis. So, I'm going through that. Then I go on to push ups to down dogs. Then I have some type of dead bug, depending on where I am that day. Then I have my musts. The McGill side plank, the McGill crunch, the bird dog with a pop right now. Cause I'm working on getting some performance. These are all done. So essentially by the time I get into my main sets for the day, one, I'm warmed up. I touch on my conditioning heart rate zone just a little bit. I'm sweating. I'm moving. Then I get into my mains for the day, which right now are going to be a hinge, some type of squat, and then either a push, a pull or a press, depending on which day it is. And then we end with some type of rotary stability. That's it, that's my workout. So each time I go in, I'm not trying to train all the fundamental five movements with weight, it's a matter of touching on each one and in the warm-up, I'm getting the things that I need to get done and get me prepared for that day's session. So that's what I would add. It's not a matter of adding what magic exercise or uh, what you would add uh, to stretch me out. It's a matter, Michael, of really looking at what your needs are. So making sure you're getting a really properly designed dynamic warmup that is targeted for your needs at that time that will keep you progressing and moving forward. That's what I'd recommend. If you're already doing all of these things that we spoke about, Then we would talk about, okay, tell me more about what you're training right now. What's your event or what are you looking to get out of the next eight to 10 weeks? And this is an issue that we'll talk about in a further podcast or a future podcast, which is uh, motivation. Triathletes across the board have fallen off. I've spoken to about 15 or 18 triathlon coaches. I put a post up uh, saying if you're a coach and uh, your business is not going well right now because of corona, go ahead and shoot me a message. We'll set up a a free call uh, and we'll help you out. And I had 18, no, 19, 19 different triathlon coaches from very different parts of the world uh, contact me. And we talked and all of them said, now that the events are canceled, my athletes are dropping off because they don't have anything to work towards. So as triathletes, I strongly encourage you stop looking at the event as an end all be all. We need that motivation. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Everybody trains a little bit better or uh, feels worse about not training when they have an event coming up, right? (laughs) Let's be honest about it. But when it comes to actually improving your health and fitness, what is more important than your physical or mental health in the long run is there anything can you think of anything that is really more important than that some people would say family some people would say uh God okay all right but if you're not healthy would you be able to partake in family events or to serve God or the universe or whatever it is you want to call it well ask anybody who has an illness what they wish they had back. Usually it's time and health. So don't look at triathlon. Don't look at an event and say, that's what I'm aiming for. Think about the process you're going through and how you can use it to improve your health and longevity to be able to do what you do in sport and out, not just now, but now into the next 50, 100 years until the age of 120. That is what we're looking for out of our sport. Now, some of you may be very goal-oriented and that's it. It's either black or white. It's it's a goal event or nothing. Respect to you. I'm not saying you're wrong. That is your truth. And I'm not arguing with your truth at all. I'm not here to argue with your truth. I'm just here to share with you as a fitness professional with almost 24 years of experience uh, in and around the health and fitness fields. This is what we're really lo- looking at. And you know, I've worked on an ambulance running 911 calls. I've worked at as an exercise physiologist for a bariatric clinic i've worked in a physical therapy clinic helping people bridge the gap between physical therapy and return to sport and i've worked with amateur athletes and professional athletes basketball triathlon cycling you name it i've worked with a whole variety of people and across the board over these 23 24 years i can tell you but the number one thing people are, are really thankful for, and, and those who prioritize it do well in the long run, very well, is when they prioritize their physical and mental health. They protect their time, they protect their sleep, they make sure that they are getting physically and mentally healthier, and they understand that there are extremes that are not healthy. That's what we're really after is the long term health. And that's what we're all about here at Human Vortex Training train smarter, not harder. That's been our mantra uh, since 2007 when we opened the doors before it was thrown around in uh, mass media. Should have trademarked that. <laughs> Oops. Things happen. <laughs> Hindsight is 2020, right? Uh, it doesn't really matter. As you go through, I, I hope that you found this podcast to be very thought-provoking to give you a very different perspective so michael i know these answers are not what you were expecting or thinking you would get when you uh, messaged me Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to make a podcast out of this and to answer you this way, because as you can tell, this would be about seven to nine page blog post uh, to to answer you uh, or to write it back. Speaking of blog posts, if you would like to learn more about this or any other topic, you can check out the Human Vortex Training blog at humanvortextraining.com. Make sure you're signing up for the newsletter. We run specials, uh, lots of small uh, group uh, activities that are run that are put out to the newsletter group lots of great results are had there Uh, we're working on some programs for 2020 winter as well as 2021 summer Uh, there's a number of people who are going through it now uh, as case studies who are going through as a founder for a program to help us really get dialed in as well as to refine and improve uh, previous and existing programs such as the better back and hips version 3.0 so we're doing a complete upgrade to that I'm still taking a couple case studies for that. Uh, you get a discount on the course and it's going from eight to ten weeks now, and we're changing it. We're taking what worked extremely, extremely well and worked well, and we're improving it even more to get better results. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and email me. Brody B S and Boy Diaz and Dog IE at human Lastly If you are interested in learning through video, go ahead and subscribe to the HV training YouTube channel. We have weekly new videos going up on a variety of topics from strength training to top five mistakes that cyclists and triathletes make with their strength training. So we covered a little bit of what we spoke about here, back in a post at the beginning of July, and there's tons of other stuff uh, that you are able to gain out of that resource. As always, Make sure you like, subscribe, give us a five-star review on Apple, iTunes, podcast, whatever it is that you are downloading this fine podcast on. Please share it with your fellow riders, groups, triathletes, or coaches to help us share the good, high-quality training advice and thoughts and deep thought-provoking questions like we had today and on other previous Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete podcasts. That's it for me. Until next time, remember, train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you.
0: That's it for this episode of the Strong, Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast with world-leading strength coach for cyclists and triathletes, Menachem Brody. Don't miss an episode. Hit that subscribe button and give us a review. For more exclusive content, visit humanvortextraining.com or get the latest expert videos from Coach Brody on the HVT YouTube channel at HV Training. Until next time. Remember to train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you.